0: then, Mesla. How's the old got, seen, got the old hat back? I see with the bear on it.
1: Oh, the old Bristol Bears. Never, never, uh, never falter the faith and loyalty of a local rugby. I say local. Um, no, you never got. A, you never give up. You never give up. And they won this past week, so uh, the bears oh. will bite.
0: Lovely bears in bears in then for you.
1: Bears in. Well, there's a there's a there's a see-through liquid in the glass upon my desk next to my laptop right now so not not got any of that brown stuff as of yet but may well later on the sun is shining he's got his hat on by the good grace and the goodwill of our lord and savior dave murray um the skies are blue the water is cold and the podcast is on so how's your week been marv
0: it's been pretty good you know to be honest i've been playing a lot of like catch up um obviously now like you delving deep back into full-time work and navigating through that i've only got like a finite work, amount mate? of hours I do work, mate, and I'm tired, so, you know, throwing never, it back to last Never have, week, known, mate. You know? never have known, Never have You'd never have known, because I look so young and beautiful.
1: we not go that far, mate, but, yeah. Wow,
0: well, you should have just been silent then for that little bit, because, you know, it's true. He just, yeah, oh, whatever. Yeah, but, yeah I've yeah. only got, like, a finite amount of hours now, so I get home at probably about half past two, wolf down my dinner, which is basically my lunch, because I have my lunch at, like, half past nine in the morning, which is a Lovely. very strange thing to have, like, yep. fake meat. Um when GMTV should be on or this morning and then uh by about like three ten past three i'm like right i've got to like i'm either straight on the mac um trying to sort stuff out or trying to write stuff and it's like that to about i don't know eight half eight and then i'm in bed by like half past nine flat out to then get up and go again so um all th- i all i can think of is all the times all the days that i've wasted that i was like oh i'm just so hot or Oh no! I'll just leave it to another day. I'm just like I want to punch myself retroactively. I want to go back in time, not even go back in time, but ha- my fist to go back in time. Just punch through all them years.
2: Bang!
1: Can I not oh, just bang. knock you out now? As a bit of a like reminder to yourself in the future that things could always be worse.
0: Yeah, very, very optimistic. Well, I tell you what, April twelfth is that, is that yeah. when one person can meet another person.
1: I believe it's six people can meet up outside and you can stay in gardens. So bring a sleeping bag, bring a tent, come and keep round mine, good son.
0: Nice. I'll have a coffee around yours. You can call me a silly goose and you can knock me out.
1: Yeah. Yep. somewhat along those lines. Anyway, Marv, we have another special episode today, don't we?
0: We got another special episode. Is that, is that, is this could be two in a row. What's going but before, on? Before we do that, we should
1: shout out our patrons, should we not?
0: What uh, what we've currently got so far, I th- I think I think so I think that would be appropriate. I think they deserve another shower, you know. They deserve definitely, like that, exactly. So, John Murphy, what you said about John Murphy, man, rock and roll legend. legend. He he, uh, I think he's itching to come on the podcast. He he, his uh, foot, and he's been sat at home, and he's been asking me again and again, "What album can I do? What can I do? What can I do?" I'm like, "We'll get you on." He knows so much about hip hop. Come and nice talk to me about Big John. Exactly. Sam Hanlon. Legend. What are you saying about him? Legend. Ollie Kant. What's, uh, what's Legend. his status? They're all just legends, aren't they? Legends.
1: I, I have no other word. They're legends. They've, they've, they're have they've they supporting us in our venture of talking absolute nonsense.
0: So I applaud them. Absolute nonsense and they're giving up their money to us and we're just laughing yeah. at them. We're just Millionaires. like, oh, you silly little... Oh, nah. um, Jack Sharp, last week's guest.
1: Legend and an amazing episode. Really enjoyed it.
0: It was really really good, yeah. I got a lot of good feedback from it. People said they really enjoyed it. They like the uh dynamism of it all. I thought it was a quite a posh word to call it. Interesting word there, Marv. It's very interesting. But I think what you're trying to refer to is uh one of the latest patrons that we have who I can see his face right next I can. to uh, right next to yours. Yeah and his name is Oshino Grady. Legend. How are we doing, Oshino?
3: Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Woohoo! Hey. Yay! I'll be uh, O'Sheen today, but I'm O'Sheen ah. in Ireland. You know, if you remember. Yeah. Nice.
1: I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's just
0: reminded me of... Um, My three-year torment. We, we all met at university, and um, every single lecturer we had, guitar lecturer or anything, you'd, be, you'd go through the register, it would always come to your name, and it would be different every time, wouldn't it? Yeah. So yeah. can you remember kind of the the most infamous ones that you got called?
3: Yeah, of course I can. Oh my god. Like there was o- uh, Ocean was the most common one, just some good <laughs> ocean. Yeah. And then there was um, Oisin. Oh yeah, yeah. Oisin. O I S I M because that's how it looks. Um there it was wise and then Oh yeah <gasps> the best one, OSINE. <laughs> I'll never forget it, boys. Oh my god! Like,
0: like, like, surely the.
3: Yeah, do you remember that guy? It was um, a good one. We had him in third year, and mm. um, I used to always have to say, uh, "Think of Charlie Sheen. Oh Sheen! Do you remember? Do you remember him? <laughs> you remember he had quite an easily voice, and <laughs> we had him for quite an important lecture. Was no, he like, the one? he the one of... that
1: sounded like um, Mark Corrigan?
3: Yeah, I think you're bang on there. Absolutely dead on. Um, yeah
1: john johnny johnny vistic
3: yeah oh my god that's him well um if you're that's listening him. if you're listening mr vistic you have a lovely voice there's so many different nationalities living here so surely my name <laughs> shouldn't be that weird <laughs> i was just like come on lad. i'm
0: only across the water you know? apparently
1: it is oh dear Funny so, yeah times.
0: um <laughs> yeah we we met at university but kind of give us a rundown of your musical kind of life like where did it start how has it kind of brought you to where you are today, what you're up to today? Just kind of, this is your life. Go for it. Oh, no
3: pressure. Oh, this is my life. Uh, well, my name is Oshino Grady and I was actually born in London, uh, lived there till I was six, moved over to Ireland. And um, I actually grew up listening, to not to sound so ter- stereotypically Irish, grew up listening to a lot of trad, traditional Irish music because my dad was a musician and he was well... Um, acquainted with the uh traditional irish scene uh he was going to a lot of uh sessions in the pubs well my mum as well she sang as well and played the bones and um that's how they met actually so i i used to go to a lot of trad sessions when i was very young and um i actually you know but to be honest i i don't think i actually liked music per se until I was like a lot older. I remember hearing something on the radio like um Smoking the Water or something and I was like, Oh, I really like that guitar. You know, what's that guitar sound? Um I'd ask my dad and say, like, Oh yeah, that's a that's rock and roll um music, you know. I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't really go down that avenue straight away. I actually started playing the banjo <laughs> playing trad songs. Um And, yeah, I did that for, like, a year or two, I believe. Um, I was, like, nine or ten at this stage. And I actually was really into Star Wars, like, Star Wars Lego and everything. And I actually um, learned the Star Wars theme. Nice, nice. By ear on the banjo. And, um, yeah, and I had so much fun just playing what age were you when that was um yeah like nine or ten kind of thing but yeah that's amazing learned it by year like i i only know know now how unique that was um as you know when i went to not even uh like people at that level could uh learn by year um the simplest of things so that was quite unique, I suppose it was just seeing my dad playing uh for years and just hearing so much music, I was able to I had a vocabulary from the get go. So when it came to playing an instrument, I had that vocabulary to go and grab um melodies from. Like I could remember the melody so well, so translating to an instrument was no problem. Um shortly after that I started playing uh, the star wars team very quickly on the banjo so it was like <speaking in Russian> and um yeah so i got a great kick out of playing very fast and for, uh so the next thing was i suppose guitar hero um that happened and like it was massive uh in the mid 2000s kind of thing or well this is late 2000s 2008 or actually seven or something like that and uh my friend Aaron flynn uh, who i'm great friends with to this day got guitar hero 2 and uh loved that game then guitar hero 3 came out and that's when i started hearing all these classic rock songs for the very first time and i just i don't know where i would have been exposed to it otherwise yeah and uh learned one um by metallica um Actually, I started going to guitar because Aaron also started... Well, he went and got lessons first, and I was like, oh, I, I want, want some guitar lessons as well. And uh, started learning one, and I was able to fill in bits that I wasn't taught in the lesson, like the the lead clean part, Kirk's um, kind of twiddly, kind of medieval-sounding lead parts. So that was great. Um, then me and Aaron and a few other mates from school... Uh, played in various different metal bands over the years with loads of different names, um, honing our craft, trying to write new songs um, and do covers as well. Uh, then fast forward to sixth year is what we call it in Ireland. I don't know, isn't it sixth form you call it in the UK? I think so.
0: Yeah, if it's after year 11, is that right, Mez? Yeah, if it's after year, year 11, 11, the, the last second, level year, second, or
1: sixth form or along those lines.
0: Yeah, well, I, I did my music
3: practical in um, Leaving Cert and uh, I got to help, like, a load of my classmates as well and I realised, oh, I love even playing with people when I'm not the front man, kind of picking all the songs. It was just the back man, my... So uh, I really enjoyed that one. I, like, I knew very early on when I was, like, 11 or 12, I don't know what happened. as As soon as that electric guitar got my hand... I knew I wanted to do this forever, you know. I, it just, I don't know, it was a no brainer to me. So um, I looked up, um, you know, college for music, and there were all these different places in Ireland, like just Ballyfermot and stuff like that. But I came across BIM, and um, it's the name has changed now as Br- British and Irish Modern Music Institute. Some, Some and, of that has changed so yeah. much. Well, uh, it used to be Brighton Institute of Modern Music and um, I was looking um, at all the videos there and I was like, oh, I wish there was something like that in Ireland. But uh, lo and behold, I saw there was a Dublin branch and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, um going to go and apply for that. And I went to go for an audition and I had this stupid idea of uh, coming up with this piece to demonstrate... Everything I can do on the guitar, whether that's rhythm playing or... Like a
0: technique kind yeah. of, just a uh, spectacle. Yeah. I'm just... I want to hear it.
3: No, you don't. I want to hear it. No, you don't, yeah. mate. Oh, I don't know. I just remember shredding away, sweeping away, whatever, uh, with a boss metal core pedal. Lovely. Pedal. Yeah, pedal. the boss metal core. That's terrible. I suppose it's not as bad as the metal zone, but um, yeah, like, I mean, you can't get much worse yeah. than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then
3: I remember making excuses for messing up um, somewhere in the song. And I was just there pointing at the orange amp. I remember BIM was just full of orange amps everywhere. I, I, they must had a partnership or something.
1: AD30s, yeah.
3: Yeah, and um, I remember looking at the, the gain, even though it was on clean, you know. As a pedal platform, that's the way you're supposed to use it anyway. But the game was only on two. And I was like, look, that's why I was messing up. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Great. Oh, all the cliche mistakes you make when you're a young shredder. Too much gain, too much treble and bass, scoops, uh mids. Oh, all that. I was just, ex- I was that stereotype. And trying to play Yngwie Momsen on an SG. I'm sure you remember. Oh, yeah. 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 It was bad, (laughs) but I did well on the theory side of the exam, like uh, playing E major chord uh, in a few positions on the neck and what core or what scales to play over each chord and um, stuff like that, basic ear training kind of stuff. But uh, they said that there wasn't enough space in uh, BIM Dublin because there's only 15 spaces or something um, and like 800 people applied for it. But they then came back and said, Oh, you just missed a mark. So they offered me the chance to go to one of the sister colleges in England, but I had to suss out which one I wanted to go, wanted to, go to because there were four different colleges, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I had um, the choice between Bristol, Manchester, Brighton, and um, London, I believe. And uh, I didn't decide on which branch i wanted to go to till the very end i mean i was looking at like the the rent prices and uh turned out that bristol was the cheapest so i was definitely looking at that like they they had a bim uh kind of tour of bim bristol on on their website and stuff and he was like oh it's a great city um it's got a great music scene and uh the likes of said." And Massive Attack are from there, and uh, Banksy is from there as well. You can actually see his artwork on the streets. So, like that was like that was all really cool stuff. That, so that made me decide to to go for Bristol, and uh, that's where a lot of my musicianship changed. Uh, maybe it's the same with you, James. I mean, sorry, I just called you James. But you used to be Mirror, and then um, now you're a Mez for some reason. So, uh, will I call you James or what will I call you?
1: (laughs) Call me what you want. Call me what you want. James is fine.
3: All right. uh, I'll call you Mez, I suppose.
0: Oh, James Merritt. (laughs) Oh.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found it really hard in the beginning because i realized very quickly that metalheads were kind of looked down upon, especially if you're a guitar player, because they just labeled you as, you know, a shredder, fret wanker kind of thing um oh you're not going to play to the song you're just going to shred all over the song well i fell into that stereotype really hard and really quickly um for whatever reason i don't know um and i realized that i had to get more versatile play different genres like a bit of jazz a bit of um reggae funk uh what whatever more popular stuff more straight ahead rock stuff blue stuff because um, I really was uh, stuck in the metal thing, for sure. So I decided to get something out of my comfort zone. I got a Strat, which was great.
1: I remember that, yeah.
0: You know, my first memory of meeting you was when we were in the guitar lecture. I don't know which one it was, I remember the first couple. And it was like Merritt and you were having a shootout of who could play this ingvay uh, piece. And I just remember you were playing it, and then Merritt was like, I think you like half knew it. And like it was almost like Oshim was like teaching you, but then you're both kind of weirdly battling because of that, like you said, the the shredder kind of metal uh cat like guitarist kind of thing where you like you had to be fast, you had to be precise. So both of you were just noodling this song for a good like 10-15 minutes, and I think that was like your bonding experience.
3: Yeah, I remember <laughs> that vaguely. You know. Yeah. Do you remember that,
0: Mez?
1: I very vaguely, very vaguely. I think. I think it. Uh, so the piece is called Vengeance. Vengeance. Um. <laughs> and uh, even now, believe it or not, oh Sheen, even now, Woo-hoo. I. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to. I had to. Forgive me. Love it. Uh, even now, on occasion, if I'm if I'm having a little. A little fret wank, as you want to call it. I will still dip into that riff. Um but no, you're absolutely right. It it was like that like, a bim.
3: I remember Phil Dawson, one of one of the classes, he uh did this thing, or went around the class and he was like, How metal do you think you are on a scale of one to ten? And he comes around to me and I'm just there like
2: eleven. <laughs> So stupid.
3: (laughs) Because I remember everyone else being so modest. Like, even you, Mez, you're like, oh, I think I'm like a seven, when I was like, what, I thought you were more metal than me, like. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I was a silly goose. Silly goose.
1: Silly goose, eh? You're not a silly goose. You're
3: not silly enough. So, yeah, I remember, like, by the second year, I was like, there's so many new things i could be doing like i mean guitar is just the start um it's a given i'm i'm gonna be learning guitar anyway because i'm in the guitar class but like there, there's so many more things i could be doing like getting into songwriting more production and uh there was um a module an extra module that was like really good in the second year i can't remember the guy's name it was a songwriting class oh it was cliff jones cliff jones and he did it an extra module and it was really really good and i got so much out from him learning about top line writing and uh and overall just more pop sensibility um in the structural manner as well as um the melodies like for example like hitting the chorus before a minute into the song and uh hitting the fifth in the chorus and and the first and the third in the verses and um all of that propelled me into loads of songwriting that I I wrote an EP for the Pro Project and uh, f- some of those songs I um, used once I came back home to Ireland and started the years um, in late 2016 which is um, mad to think back on that I, uh, all of that stuff actually propelled me towards that and uh, what's mad thinking about now that I actually only started singing at like the age of 19 or 20. Yeah. I just got so sick of um, looking for people to sing my songs. I was just like singing myself, you
0: know? Yeah. Well, I, again, like you go back to like, um, when you first started a BIM and you were the, you were labeled the metal guy, even though if you lined up, everyone else who was the metal guy. you You definitely weren't, even like like Merritt, yeah, shake, shaking his hand there. You weren't. I wouldn't even put you in that category as well. Like you put yourself there, but to then say, right, out of all these people on the guitar course, who's going to be fronting a band, writing songs which are way more pop orientated and indie orientated? You would have been last on my list, and I was really pleasantly surprised. I was like, that's so ballsy and gutsy. I'm so hyped for him. That's like such a cool thing to do.
3: Oh, thanks for saying that, man. And. um, as I was saying, I started a band called The Years when I moved back to Atai where I live. And uh, fast forward, I moved to Waterford and we actually had a baby there. Hey, yeah. he will be 10 months in a few days. It's mad. Uh, he's He's been great. Uh, not bothering him at all. Um, he's such a good boy. And uh, I actually released a song called A New Purpose for him. Um, it's about you know bringing him into the world the stuff that was going on at the time i think it's a nice time capsule to kind of um capture that moment um so that's on spotify under Ushin O'Grady if you want to hear it yeah
0: yeah very interesting i think uh you being exposed to music at such a young age uh, i think it's like under 8 years old i think that helps with that ear training and just be able to pick things up yeah and- absolutely yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even realize that, kind of how young and absorbed you got into music, and that kind of shows you how good of a player you are now, and your kind of musical instinct. Oh, Thanks, man. It's pretty amazing to hear. Cheers. Mez, let's actually get into the episode. I think that might be interesting. Yeah. After 40 minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's get into we it. We take oh, our man. time. We take our time. But
3: yeah, <clears> this... sorry I went on a bit there. <laughs> Never right. apologize.
1: Right. I want to hear your story, O'Sheen. Um,
3: oh, back to O'Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: O'Sheen. Oh, Go O'Là.
3: <laughs> go on lad you're nearly there come on oh, go,
1: go on
0: go on <laughs> no <laughs> so this episode is going to be focused on those classic albums that everyone says is amazing you know everyone being like critics super fans your mum, your dad the person down the street jer jar john all them all them blokes this is the best record ever this is so good this is so great and you listen to it and you're like have I got the wrong copy? Have I, am I not? What's missing? I don't, I don't get it. And you just you can't click to it or you dislike it so much, or there's just something there where you're just like, I, I, why is this getting the praise that this is getting, you know? Um, and it's almost sacrilege to say that you don't like it. Like they're that big of a kind of album. Um, you know, we could list all of these kind of, you know, Thriller, Hotel California, like the best of ABBA, like these big, huge albums. Um, you know some people don't like it that's perfectly fine again like you say mez it's music it's your opinion this is the reason why it's so contextual and subjective that you might just not like it at all and it might that's perfectly fine to do but i just sometimes feel that maybe just dig a little bit deeper maybe even just scratch a little bit you know get your 2p out get that scratch card just scratch a little bit right you might win five quid you know you never know uh, we're not giving away five quid uh, for anyone get excited there. Um, we we'll accept five quid or three
1: um, a month on Patreon. Oh, oh,
0: shameless plug. There you go, man. You're getting really good at this market. And stuff. I like it. <laughs> hey, you've got, you've got to got dive in. Strike
1: while the iron is lukewarm. Then it heats up and you get more of them, more of them beaners. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> so if you want more of this classic content... www.patreon.com slash 50wayspodcast that's five zero ways podcast three pound a month unedited episode a day before it comes out normally for everyone else for those little insignificant people that haven't bothered to support our journey um yeah go do it O'Sheen you know we're not we're not forcing him to say this we haven't pre-written what he's about to say now but he's going to tell you that it's worth the money he's going to tell you that he enjoys it he's going to tell you that the only thing enjoyable about his whole life and existence is listening to us to win that right, Oshin. Isn't that right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that's it. Just became a patron. And I really enjoy all the episodes. You get like the uncut versions and the extra hour kind of ish. Um, I'd enjoy this even if I didn't know the lads. And you get to comment on all the episodes underneath, whatever all the other patrons, and it's great fun. Yeah,
0: and that's good. That's Last one. There you go can't get better than that promotion you know what i'm saying so anyway let's get stuck and i'm gonna go first so go on boy you know those classic albums that sell millions and millions and millions everyone you know everyone loves it everyone's telling you to listen to it but like doesn't matter how many super fans you meet doesn't matter how many lists you kind of read um i don't know if it just doesn't connect to you and you forever find yourself kind of confused as to why that is um You know, you certainly don't, I don't know. I I certainly don't hate it. Like the albums we're going to talk about, you know, we don't hate them. There's just something that we don't get the hype surrounding it. I think that's a general thing that us three definitely with our picks. But for my pick, which is A Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, um, is very much considered one of the best jazz albums of all time. I think it's the best selling jazz album of all time. Um, Widely considered critically and commercial across the board, even when it came out. Um, August 17th, 1959. Apparently people were lining up around the streets just to buy it, which was maybe possibly unheard of for a jazz record. It, I know it's a classic album. I know it's pinnacle. I know it's peak. Every time I listen to it, I can never remember it. The only track I can remember is the first track, which is So What? Is that correct? That is the only track I can remember. ba 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 And that's it. I, I... I going through my notes as I do, I try and make loads of notes. I must've listened to it about four times, five times round, And even then, like it just, I don't know what it is after that first track, second one comes in. If I try to remember what it sounds like, it's my, what my, my impression of jazz music be. If I had to kind of quickly, I don't know, make something up. Um, I just put down some like nice brushy kind of drums some like nice piano stabs and then just some like weird trumpet over the top not saying miles davis's weird trumpet but like I, i i don't know what it is i just try and try and try and try and try the only other thing that stuck which uh i was at work and it took me probably about five minutes to actually get it in my head was the trumpet riff in all blues um but i think that's the only reason why is because that is like a bluesy kind of motif that he's playing so it was easier to kind of grab from my kind of memory. But I don't know what it is. Now, I do like jazz. It'd be a stretch to call me kind of a connoisseur of jazz music. Um, you know, I can't list all the sub-genres. I can't list all the kind of p- the people who are like the top of their game. I love Dave Brubeck. I like his piano playing. I can't it so much. Take Five. I. It's just one of those songs from my childhood that I just knew. It was just a song I just knew. I don't know how. Um, and Blue Ronda la Turk. Um I just I did that for I think, at one of the assessments at university and just fell in love with it even more Django Reinhardt, I, again got obsessed with him I was thinking, how can this guy who's got two workable fingers play so fast and I could have nine fingers and still not be able to you know play as good as this guy um and really and again, it was one of those things where the more I listened to the music and then learned how to play it, it made my listening experience even more enjoyable um the a kind of blue just doesn't it doesn't get my beans cooking it you know it doesn't put my tent up it doesn't get this doesn't make the sun put his hat on mez you know it doth. Bu- that's what it does for me
1: it doth butter no parsnips
0: there you go my parsnips have been dry all right for a long long time i've said it all right? i've said it i don't like a kind of blue cancel me hate me shun me i don't care i've been trying my opinion i've been trying it. for so,
1: eight years mate <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'm kind of in the same vein as Marv. We're kind of blue, um, but the appreciation I have for it is is boundless. And on top of that, I think the fact that you've said that the second track, the only way you can kind of remember it and equate it is just how like jazz sounds, isn't that like a hell of a compliment to to Davis anyway? Because if the only way you can hear um, a Miles Davis track is how jazz sounds, if you like, does that not mean that put him on some sort of pedestal in terms of, like, this is how good he is? He he gives... Um, I'm going to try here. Sorry. I'm, I'm. The more I speak, the less it makes sense. Um, but what I'm saying but is... But I love
0: that. I love that.
1: Well, You know when someone says, like, oh, imagine a pop song, and all you can think of is the Beatles? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you're, if you're trying to think of jazz or Miles Davis and that's all you can hear, surely that's the same sort of compliment in that same sort of vein. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that, again, it makes that purpose, doesn't it? That if I try and think of jazz, maybe I draw upon Miles Davis's musical template to come up with something that's similar in my head. Yeah. Um, but still, the, the, then the element there is, is that I should be able to remember the songs. Like think you think of a pop song, I can I can list twenty Beatles songs and know how they go, remember them from memory straight away, but I can't do that with this album. I just have to go, dun, 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 dun. and that is the that is the only memory I have of this whole album. When everyone's like, "It's the best thing, it's the best thing, it's so good," and I just can't get it. So I. so again this is kind of like how you said with your guitar playing um my guitar playing in bim definitely kind of i wanted to kind of explore and get better kind of technical wise i felt like especially when i started bim that i wasn't the most technical player and i definitely had hang-ups about it um i know that my theory was good and i know that my chord knowledge was good but i kind of wanted to be flashy without being flashy you know have all the technique down and maybe just know that i could if i want to play any genre or any piece of music i could do it at least to a proficient kind of standard so um my second year at uni i i was kind of um you know our worlds involved pretty much warm-ups spider exercises scales modal playing drop two chords you know listening to new and exciting bands asking other people what's this what's that going to gigs like that was our lives like just i just remember the handbooks i remember the warm-ups um Songs, you get, you know, a little exercise you get on a photocopy bit of paper every week and learn this, learn that. Um, It was strange to think, like, you got not forced to learn like play guitar, but like it was kind of some people would hate it. Yeah. I I, like one friend there, which we'll we'll leave him nameless. I remember him saying, oh, I've had to play guitar for eight hours today. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's great. But he hated the fact that he had to play guitar for eight hours. So you, you went either way. You went either way. Um, so yeah it was definitely a far cry from my kind of like john for chili peppers kind of copycat and denial that i was before bim um and then even while my music taste was quite was more varied and eclectic than most of them kind of my skateboarding friends um that only kind of stretched the rock and hip-hop so it was nice to be in bim and know know to myself like right just spread your wings young marty just spread your wings and soak it all up um so you know Theory lectures with Greg Cordes. That was a highlight of my week sometimes, just to submerge into the mechanics, just to submerge into like how chords work together, how music works. Amazing. you know. Adam Coombs as well. I remember one time he came in, and he showed us a Word document, and it was just all of the chords that you could play with the note E that had the note E in them. And he said he did it hungover. So he's gone out, party, got wrecked, the next day feeling awful, and his brain has gone, I wonder how many chords I can think that have the note E in them. Like, that's insane to me. That's that's so cool. That's so cool. It's the, really nerdy, but really cool. I respect that so much. Um, this all does have a point. Yeah. This all has a point. So, you know, I was kind of getting bored with all the kind of four-minute pop songs and rock songs that I was just kind of surrounding myself with, and I wanted to kind of expand more. So the Gypsy Jazz study that I did in second year where – You had to kind of research um, the history and play some songs. That was really good. And I really could see my guitar playing get much better. And I just wanted to dive into jazz. I think maybe for the beginning guitar player, you think of jazz as this hard thing, which is hard to play. It's complex music. Um, It will make you better. Obviously, that's the same as any other genre because they have such big kind of degrees of range and difficulty. And again, it's all about how it sounds. Um, So, you know... you you jam along to people, you, uh, you know, people like Ben Tunnicliffe, Nick Martin, Lawrence Burglass, like these three people that I, you know, they really were either knew their jazz or were getting into kind of jazz. And these are people that I'm thinking, you know, I'd, I'd be jamming with them a couple of little times or doing assessments. I'm like, they keep talking about A Kind of Blue. They keep talking about Miles Davis. I'm like, mental note, I should definitely get this album. So, and I was like, this is, this is going to change my world. This is gonna, I'm going to listen to this album, right? And it's going to change my life so much, and my guitar playing is going to skyrocket. So, you know, I'm not putting any expectations onto it at all, all right? I'm not, I'm not building up at all, right? Remember. Um, there's a quick side note here from past Marv interrupting the podcast for me, saying, you've just finished listening to A Kind of Blue, and your brain can still only remember the first track. Good luck. So, even at that point. Oh, yeah. So I bought a kind of blue and um, <clears throat> I remember a lot of bus journeys that I took. And I remember specifically looking at this entrance uh, in f- the Morrison's supermarket in Fishponds. And I remember it vividly because every time I think of so what? Dun, dun, boo, 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 boo. That's that's what I can remember That's my mental image being on the, r- the right hand side of the bus looking at that entrance. And, you know, I'm a- very giddy to listen to it, put it on. And even now it's just like that's it. First track, that Morrison's, nothing. nothing. and I, I listen to it solidly, like every day. am been putting it on and back and forth from BIM, being like, I need to get into this. I need to put get this album into my brain. I need to sit down and learn it. I need to absorb everything that it's gonna teach me. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I've been listening to this album on off for like six years there's been some days where like every day for about two weeks yeah after so what none of it sticks to the sides i have really really tried it's not through just lack of trying or trying to look like a poser i have really really tried with this album um O'Sheen, te- please tell me what you think of this album and why maybe i'm wrong you know what is my problem why can't i remember it? certainly i will tell you why you were wrong <laughs>
2: <laughs> he hasn't I know, got it on well, pure
0: vinyl.
3: Yeah, well, we're all human, you know. You like what you like. It, you know, it doesn't matter if um, a million people are telling you. It's well, I want to like it. All right. Well, um, like I remember falling into into this as well, where I was listening to it to kind of better my playing, kind of thing, because people in BIM tell you
0: other that, universities are available.
3: Yeah, we keep going on about BIM, but like. Yeah, like, I mean,
2: you're,
3: uh, like, you really need to be into a uh, style of music to play it, you know? Like, you like I just found out the hard way that it just doesn't work. Like, if you're like, um, oh, I want to play a bit of jazz, I'll just steal a few licks from Kind of Blue and uh, off you go, like in my opinion, like, you you really need to be into metal to be able to play metal, and you need to really be into, like, you know, funk or soul or whatever to be able to play it properly. Um And, like, everyone telling you that, oh, Kind of Blue is all you need, but, you know, you need to be listening to more than one album to uh, get into a genre, you know? I mean, you're looking at one side of of everything the way i view this album now is different to how i got into it before like now i see it as um a beginner jazz album really it's uh it's exactly what a newcomer would expect to hear like it's got that sexy kind of smooth jazz vibe about it you know and that's what people know jazz for also yeah like it was a whole new approach to improvising he uh miles wanted to get away from uh bop kind of stuff which is playing jazz tunes really really fast and wanted to slow the whole thing down um and just get a bit more feeling in his playing he was playing with charlie park for, for for a long time and uh he was just like oh man i can't deal with with playing this fast all the time it's not really one of what i want to do so he got all of his the best players um john coltrane bill evans cannonball Adderley, um and introduced this co- concept of just um improvising in one take and over simple chord changes like all all of these songs are just one four five kind of thing du, and, du, I, and again
0: i've just remembered what the the trumpet riff isn't it bah, 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 yeah bah. again that took me about six seven minutes to, to remember it
3: really okay well uh... yeah But anyway, um, like, what this album is great for is introducing you to all of these great players. Like, these are the jazz giants. Like, you have Miles Davis, obviously, John Coltrane, Bill Evans, uh, Cannonball Adderley, like, Paul Chambers. These are all the best players of their instruments, you know, Um, and... It's really interesting to see how they approach these really simplistic arrangements. I mean, um, John Coltrane releases Blue Train, which only came out the year before. And the level of technicality in those solos are through the roof. I mean, way beyond what he um, suggests on this album. And it's the same with Bill Evans. Like, he's usually the front man in his trio but he's very much the um, back end piano player in this group. But the soloist on this album that always stands out to me is Cannonball Adderley. Like, this is part in So What? That's just beautiful. But this is why Kind of Blue is the perfect jazz album to start with because all of these uh, musicians in the band are very famous in their own right. Uh, they all have their own discographies, like 50 albums each. is crazy how much material these guys turned out in the. 50s 60s 70s um like you can go use kind of blue as a kind of jazz umbrella if you will um you know you go oh who's playing that solo i really like that oh that's cannonball Adderley. i'll go listen to his albums oh who's that oh that's bill evans i'll go listen to his string of albums and then um it all kind of kind of comes together john coltrane yeah. go listen to his albums so yeah that's the how you should approach this album.
0: He's ba- He basically got a whole new band didn't he for this album because he did did he he kind of his hard bop uh era and then just basically sacked the band and got a whole new one in and this is the the misconception of this album is that everything is first take but basically he kind of gave them rough um i guess modes or rough the rough kind of template of the song and just went let's just go for it yeah well
3: i'm not 100 percent sure uh but i think he like kept coltrane and got a whole new lineup uh i know bill evans in this album like he's very fresh on the scene he doesn't even have an album out yet i think uh 1960s his first album or maybe later in 59 but um yeah like it was a whole different approach to improvisation like i suppose in the hard bop scene um you would you know you'd have your set tuned to practice altogether then you go for a solo each and you do a good few takes uh, but by you know by by take five you already have kind of cemented your solo it's kind of premeditated so Miles wants to break that barrier altogether and just go um, I've just got these chords whatever three or four chords and we're going to pick a mode like I don't know Lydian or something um, you know mix Lydian and something like that and uh just to give it a new flavor and just um give it a feel of spontaneity about it um just like it's truly improvised it's not premeditated another thing that's very special about the album is you know because it's so slow and there's a lot of space for the music to breathe and the production complements this very well you can hear the reverb trails of the room, the old CBS studio. It was actually a church converted into a studio. That's why it's got such a lively kind of uh, reverberation. And you can, like, they definitely have room mics blended in, in the Could mix. Could
0: you compare, I I maybe compare it to like the Frank Sinatra, Big band kind of recordings of that time. Yeah. Where everything's quite luscious and those really Disney-esque kind of string uh, arrangements. Like I definitely had that vibe every time I listened to it. That's the production style that I have in my head. Well, I knew they were all great players, but to maybe view this album as a launch pad to go in, to listen to the other people's work. Maybe I would then come back to this and go, well, I understand now about how the piano playing maybe isn't as frantic and as complex as before and that he's holding back and all the space and oh, that's classic bill that's classic Winston, you know, all these kind of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely think I should. I think the two things that I kind of try to pinpoint with maybe why I didn't like this album was that maybe it was too connected to my guitar playing and my theory knowledge, like mindset, that it kind of overshadowed my enjoyment of listening to it as like music for consumption, to switch that part of my brain off and just listen to it as music. And the second thing is the biggest thing is probably when pressing play for that first listen on the bus, that my expectations of this album was like so incredibly high and heavy and what it should do for my life as a musician, as a person that even if I remembered the album and it stuck in my brain and I really liked it, it would still fall under the weight of my expectations.
3: Yeah. Well, when you put something up that high, it can never <laughs> deliver, can it really?
0: But, but if an album like this, that's the best selling jazz album of all time and, all these things, I think of it like merit. You haven't spoke for a while. I want to get you in the action. If you, you know, you're teaching kids guitar and they go, I want to get into metal. And you're obviously going to go black album, Metallica. This, this will do it for you. This album will get you in. You'll go further back in their catalog further forward. You'll find other bands, but this album is solid gold. It's got absolute staples in it, which you're guaranteed to love. But, you know, I've definitely taught... I remember one kid I taught that he really liked metal, but I tried to get him to learn these Metallica songs, but he was kind of like, eh, liked Megadeth more, like Sepultura more. So Merrick, kind of, what's your take on this whole thing? You know, hyping an album up too much, or am I the weird one here? Should I... Is it more of a fact I need to kind of get more research behind this? Um, Where do you kind of land between O'Sheen's this is the really, really good album, I don't know what, what you're thinking versus mine of like, I just don't connect to it.
1: I I think it could be looked at as a combination of things. Really, I mean, I can I can understand the because uh, I've listened to it as well, um, and it does. It, it is an incredible album, um, but like anything, you don't want to hype something up too much. You don't want to say this is going to change your life. It, I think, you need to kind of.
0: It's a bit naive,
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah, really. I th- Do you know what I think can change your life? The
0: I... Beatles. The Beatles.
1: Uh, well, yeah.
0: Yeah, I second that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely... <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I think it's more of a... It's Okay, I'm trying to go by a bit of a mantra at the moment. And that is,
0: Ooh,
1: life is not about what life can bring to you. It's about the attitude that you bring to life. So basically Nerd. When, Nerd. when when life's shitting on you, you can blame everyone else, or you can go, This is an opportunity for me to grow and to learn as a human being. Maybe if you go with that type of attitude, rather than, okay, Miles, what have you got? You could be like, Alright, Maz, I'm gonna go and listen to this and I'm gonna see what I can what I can take from this album. What can I take? Um I also think, Marv, you 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 are a criminal for that thing of, you know, oh I've got to, it's got to related to theory, it's got to be in my guitar knowledge somehow, or oh, it's got. You need to look at it from both angles, um, both perspectives, as a consumer and as a musician, because if you don't do that, um, it, I I feel like you're missing out on a few things, you know. I think that's an important thing to do. Um, I've. Rarely had an album disappoint me in that way. Um, because the the music I was listening to, when I was listening to it, the people around me, uh, unless I'm discussing it with you, it, uh, it was never overhyped. Because the stuff I would be listening to at a particular point in time has already been out for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. So I'm consuming it now. And I don't care what the hype is. If I want to listen to it, I want to listen to it. If I enjoy it, I enjoy it. If I don't, I don't. Um, like you say, with the with the whole opinion thing and the whole, sh- not stupid, but the whole silly argument of, oh, well, music is expression and expression is art, so you can't necessarily just call something crap. There's got to be a reason for it. Um, multiple angles you can take there. Multiple. But... Um, I think what it really does come down to, what it really comes down to, and you'll probably both agree with me, it's what you enjoy. And if if innately you don't enjoy it, you might in 10 years. You might in five. But right now, if you're going to force yourself to listen to this, it, it even though you, you can't remember it or you don't like it, you, you're going to struggle with it. You're going to struggle with it. The fact that you listen to it, or the fact that you try and visualize the second song in your head and all you can think of is like the the blueprint for jazz, um, I think that's kind of cool in itself because you're you're thinking of miles Davis and all you're thinking of is jazz, and I would imagine that's something you seem to know more about it Osheen, than we do. Um, I, maybe that's something he'd be really happy with the fact that you're trying to think of a song off his album, and all you can hear is jazz.
2: I am jazz
1: also I'm not singling you out you just seem to know more about the dude than we do so
0: definitely
3: like yeah I suppose he would be humbled with that like he is the sound of a whole genre in your head Uh, but he actually didn't even like that term he was like don't call it jazz man call it like social music you know you shouldn't be trying so hard I mean if you don't like it you don't like it Uh, it's not doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with you you know um maybe you should just be trying other you know other artists other albums like i would i i do remember myself kind of struggling with kind of blue like trying to listen to it over and over again because everyone like says or well i remember another um uh lecture in bim telling telling everyone to just go and listen to kind of blue and like uh transcribe all of the solos and just get them under your fingers but um yeah it, it just seems very sterile d- uh, doing that as an exercise like you're never going to get into music that way um so for me like I listened to this for a bit and kind of was uninspired as well but like I you know as I said got into the other artists on the albums and it was like John Coltrane can play for days Like, oh my God, he can play all over these people, but he um, doesn't get his ego in the way and uh, he serves the music. He does his... He's there for his purpose. (laughs) Like, backs Miles up. He just takes a solo. He lets Miles be the star. And um, that's really cool. Uh, Maybe for you, like, try some hard bop kind of late 50s, early 60s stuff on Blue Note. Like blue note is a, a great label to get into just three really really important jazz labels um and that's blue note riverside and prestige yeah but i've really gone hard into the hard into the hard bop i think you'll really enjoy it though it's it's very fast and it's very kind of aggressive and ugly sounding i'm gonna go
0: for it i think again i think that's uh after you saying that and then maybe looking at some of my paragraphs and going well. I like gypsy jazz and I like Dave Brubeck, but why don't I like this album? I think the answer more as simple as that. I need to expand my jazz repertoire, and I think then it will make it more contextual. And you know, I do like this album. This is the thing, like like Mez's point. You know, I I felt like I've put in the time. I put in six years of listening to this album and t- periods of time where I've listened to it every single day. I'm it's not that I dislike it when I finish listening to it. I just get a nothing response. And usually that's reserved for albums I don't like. I'm just like, I could, I could happily never listen to that again. But like part of me wants to listen to this. I keep coming back to it each time and there's just nothing there. So maybe it's the fact that, yes, I may understand it from a theory perspective and as music goes in form and structure, but maybe from in the jazz world, it's just such a drop into whole umbrella of jazz that maybe it's just too much to comprehend at the time, you know? So maybe I need to jump on these playlists, get in there and maybe it will start sticking.
3: Yeah. Jump in, put on some playlists and don't think too much because (laughs) you've been just, um, you've ruined this album for yourself in my opinion, uh, just by, thinking about it too critically and uh, how it's going to impact your playing and um, you know as an exercise you're listening as an exercise rather than listening uh, for enjoyment you know and if you're as I said before I mean I really think you know if you want to play or get into a style of music um, you actually need to like the music like you need to be really into it you, you yeah you can't just um learn a few uh jazz licks and you can play jazz it just doesn't work like that you have to understand you have to be like fully invested um like i remember it finally clicked for me when i stopped yeah thinking critically
0: yeah maybe maybe my my mind will change with the kind of blue but i'm gonna stop listening to it for now wanting to like it. sheen take us away please. What have you decided to pick for us?
3: Right. Well first of all I'll say I'm sorry. Uh, and did you listen to it? I have. Oh, wow the whole thing. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed. It was an experience. It was an experience. Definitely an experience. Well um I have chosen Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart and his magic band. And I've uh, chosen this for a few reasons. Um, I just keep seeing it in top, whatever, 100 lists of uh, greatest albums of all time. And uh, then, you know, it's a highly debated album, uh, quite controversial. So some people are saying it's absolutely unlistenable. But then on the other side, there's this massive cult following that, you know, of people that say that it's the best album ever made. So here's a few facts about it. Uh, First of all, it was ranked number 58 in um, the Rolling Stones' 2012 edition of 500 Greatest Albums of All Times list. That's really
0: high, That's yeah. That's high.
3: <laughs> yeah, especially uh, for an experimental kind of avant-garde rock album. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you have ever tried to listen to this, you'll know what I mean. So it's also quite critically praised... Um, Like, I mean, it's got five stars across the board on the internet. So here's a few examples. Um, All Music gave it five stars. Encyclopedia of Popular Music, five stars. Um, Pitchfork, five. Q, five. Rolling Stones Album Guide, five. Another crazy fact is uh, in 2011, it was added to the Library of Congress which is insane, like uh, only the most important uh, music that has ever been created uh, ends up in the Library of Congress, you know. So Trout Mass Replica was Captain Beefheart's third uh, studio album released on the 16th of June, 1969. And it was produced by uh, a high school friend, Frank Zappa, and it was actually released on uh, Frank's own label, Straight. Uh, So yeah, this crazy album clocks in at 78 minutes, which is insane. Tracks are short, though. Most of the tracks are pretty short, right? Oh, man, they feel long. They feel very long. And that's 29 short tracks. So, you know, it all adds up. So, getting to business. uh, Trout Mass Replica is considered to be Captain Beefheart's magnum opus. And it has appeared on lists of the greatest albums of all time. John Peel, probably one of the most important disc jockeys in the 20th century, has said, if there has been anything in the history of popular music which could be described as a work of art in the way that people who are involved in other areas of art would understand, then Trout Mess Replica is probably that work. So to me, John Peel has said, if you don't understand this and you don't dig it, you're thick. You're not... (laughs) <laughs> You're a silly philistine, as I would say, or as he would yeah. say. Yeah. The band lineup is one of my favourite things. So everyone has a pseudonym or nickname given to them by the front man, uh, Captain Beefheart. Van or Don Van Fleet is his actual name, and he's on vocals. Um, on the drums, we have John French, aka drumbo
1: i love drumbo that's so good
3: (laughs) that's the most normal one (laughs) on the guitar we have jeff cotton aka antennae jimmy (laughs) siemens
0: antennae jimmy siemens and antennae antennae jimmy siemens (laughs) (laughs) that's how i'm reading it (laughs)
3: On the other guitar we have Bill Harkin Road, aka Zoot Horn Rolo. And uh, here's my favourite one, right? Um <laughs> On the bass clarinet, Victor Hayden is
0: the
2: Muscarusnake. <laughs> that good. is a that
0: is a that is a front man of an aging metal band right there. Or a uh,
3: Battle Robot from really is uh, Robot Wars or something. But I think it's funny the way he always refers back to the mascara snake. Uh, throughout the whole album, it's like he's gone uh, fast and bulbous. The mascara snake, fast and bulbous. I don't even know what fast and bulbous means. I am
0: so stupid. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jay. Fast and bulbous. Sorry, they're a bit bulbous. <laughs> sorry, they're a little bit bulbous. Yeah.
1: Have you not heard the album? Like, come on it's oh, throughout it? the whole album dude I've I've been done up like a zoot horn rollo there <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's gas you're a funny man I'm gonna try and enter that into a normal everyday conversation now.
3: <laughs> please do and send it to me Yoko Ono on a zoot horn rollo
2: See that, mate,
1: sharp as a blade. I ain't doing that. Do I look like a Horn rolo?
3: (laughs) You could try that. (laughs) You're going to get
0: smacked one day. I'll smack
3: you over from Ireland.
1: Anyway, I want to hear. I want to (laughs) hear
0: what what you've got to say, mate.
3: Okay, right. So I've got a bit of a background here. It's absolutely insane. In preparation... The band rehearsed Van Fleet's difficult compositions for eight months, living communally in a small rented house in Woodland Hills, Los Angeles. Van Fleet implemented his vision by asserting complete artistic and emotional domination of his musicians. At various times, one or another of his bandmates were put in the barrel with Van Fleet, berating him constantly, sometimes for days, until the musician collapsed in tears or in total submission to Van Fleet. According to John French and Bill Herkelrod, these sessions often included physical violence. French described the situation as cult-like. It's insane already. The band survived on a bare subsequent diet... Drummer John French recounts um, living on no more than a small cup of soybeans for a month. At one point, band members were arrested for shoplifting with Frank Zappa bailing them out. A visitor described their appearance as cadaverous uh, and they looked in poor health. Uh, Band members were restricted from leaving the house and practiced for 14 hours a day Um, Van Fleet once told drummer uh, John French that he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and he would see non-existent uh, conspiracies that explained his behaviour. So basically he uh, didn't want to take any medication for his schizophrenia and just uh, took it out on everyone else. Uh, But there's a funny anecdote from this uh, interview with all the band members I can't remember which band member it was. I think it was one of the guitarists. But he was told that he was locked in a a cupboard listening to some some obscure artist for, I know, five hours because uh, Beefheart said, you've listened to the Beatles. You know what middle C is. Um, So now you have to go and cleanse yourself of C. You know C. You have to stay in there until you don't know what C is or whatever oh my god like can you imagine that that is absolutely insane like there's no wonder uh, the music came out sounding like this like but w- what is strange is that the the first album safe as milk is a brilliant r&b kind of rock album i really recommend it like it doesn't sound out and like uh Trout mask. So, uh, in all honesty, I've never heard this whole album. Uh, I've I've tried so many times. I've switched off after Frownland, but uh, I tried to document my first listen, like you did with uh, the John Lennon album.
1: Oh, the Plastic? Yeah,
3: band. Uh, I really liked the way <laughs> you yeah, did yeah, it. It was really yeah. funny. Um, so amazing! Yeah. I want to hear it. Oh, so Frownland? Oh my Let's God, right? It. Let's hear it. Um, poly hear it. <laughs> polyrhythmic patterns that don't go together. Every instrument is playing a different rhythm, very complex nonetheless. The vocals sound out of time. It's strange that the lyrics uh, amongst the madness are about happiness. The mix is awful, no separation between any of the instruments. It's even hard to hear the bass apart from the guitars. Uh, drums sound like they're dampened with something even the cymbals and actually it's funny because i wrote that and i looked up later that they actually were covered in cardboard they um did that at the house because they didn't want to annoy the neighbors or like other people that were trying to sleep in the house so uh john french used to cover the drums with um with cardboard to dampen them and um, where am I so Beefheart's vocals are so loud in the mix that it drowns out all of the other instruments um, every time he sings the EQ of the entire record is very harsh and raw sounding like it's hard to believe that some of this was recorded in Sunset Sound I
0: was
2: mad <laughs>
3: yes so the um, second song is called The Dust Blows Forward and the Dust Blows <laughs> Back and it's such a strange little unaccompanied poem with very low-fi uh, sounding uh, production. I believe he just recorded this on like a a little crappy tape player and started splicing um, bits together. Um, you can actually hear the splices like kind of going... <clears throat> um, it's mad because after hearing Frownland like everything sounds kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, like the third... Track Guru I said <laughs> the most successful thing so far kind of like it so like it's kind of uh, readied me for the whole album the, the first track the next track uh, Daco Blues um, though it's weird he's got this uh, lyric Daco Blues those poor Jews um, talks about World War 3 and all it's just mad Mad Lurks. For the song Hair Pie, I wrote Free Jazz Nonsense, instrumental track that I wrote. I think I'm starting to get it, but I'm only 13 minutes in. I can't believe there's another hour of this. <laughs> 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 oh, hell on earth. Honest to God. And then Moonlight in Vermont, next song, More Polyrhythms, in time for the most part. <laughs>
1: I love that for the most part.
3: Yeah. Like once you start to hear a bit of a rhythm, you're like, Oh my god, I'm back to normality, I can do this. Um then I wrote I am trying to pay attention to the lyrics. Well everything is just so distracting. Uh Koopacar kind of our more craziness and a dotted rhythm.
0: I'll have that. I'll have
3: that. <laughs> uh instrumentation is now more conventional, I said. Like I probably felt a bit of a rhythm and I was like, Oh that's okay. Wait, <laughs> A crazy flute solo just started. (laughs) It stopped, thank God. (laughs) He uh, said that he wrote the whole album in an eight-hour session, uh, wrote all of these um, crazy guitar parts and stuff on a piano, and um, uh, that's obviously not the case, uh, said by John French, the drummer, and who actually had to transcribe all of these uh, crazy uh, guitar parts that he's writing because, I don't know, they said that tape was expensive and they, he he couldn't record for that many hours. Um, but basically, uh, the drummer had to write down all of the guitar parts that he wrote on the piano and teach it to the whole band.
1: This is absolutely crazy. Like, I have never heard the like of it. That is insane. Like, from the way he treated his musicians right the way down to obviously creating the music um it's really funny because you said zappa and my brain went uh, okay yeah but
3: you know <laughs> we,
0: we like, know we're gonna be
3: uh, yeah like you see zappa as like a super obscure kind of artist but like this Jesus. album makes him look like justin bieber you know <laughs> like it's zappa is so much more accessible than the material on this work Like, if you uh, go on YouTube, I mean, there's so many people that are absolutely fascinated with this album, like the complex um, arrangements and the the polyrhythms. And um, I mean, it is impressive when you look at it as an exercise. um, But, you know, all of the musicians are clearly talented. Like, it is hard to replicate. Like, um... I haven't found a single video of to play um, uh, Frownland live because I suppose it is just that hard. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how arty it is. Um, I mean, it still has to be music, doesn't it? You you have to be able to listen to it. And it's just a mess. I quite agree
0: with you. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think... um there's there's having fun with experimenting and trying new things but then if you're putting something out as a product you know like like we said on the last podcast like art when soul commercially starts to become a product and it gets ingested and then it becomes your album because you own it um it does sign kind of i don't know it tickles your kind of brain but i think the it's almost similar in vain to this miles miles davis thing where you know, maybe I don't. you don't know enough about it or the things around it. And if you come back to it, it starts clicking. But I think maybe a good question that's come up from this is that, um, you know, music is just organized sounds. It's just sounds we already have in our lifetime. And people have just put them together, managed to record them somehow, and they just make some sort of uh, musical sense or things that kind of make order in our brain. So really... If you think of like normal music, you know, normal songs, and then the most avant-garde experimental stuff you could ever think of that both have the same elements that they are sounds and noise put together, where really is that middle area, that gray area, that tipping point where it starts to go from, you know, quote unquote, unlistenable avant-garde noise muse- noise art to it being music, to it being a song. You know, like, I
3: really want to like this album because it uh, addresses a lot of things I like about music. I mean, you can hear that it's humans playing their instruments. I mean, most of this was uh, recorded live in the studio. Like, I mean, there's so much... um, When you turn on the radio now, everything's quantized, it's fixed to a grid. everything's perfectly in tune. Like, this is kind of anti-that. It's like as far away from that as you can get. Like, the vocals were actually recorded um, in a vocal booth, but with no headphones, uh, just a bit of bleed from the control room through the glass. So, you know, I I do respect that creativity and that kind of authentic uh, approach, but I just... You know, it's but, hard. I mean,
0: again, that's another good point. It's humans playing music. It's unedited. It's as it is. And that's something to kind of behold. I mean, obviously, it was 69, so you didn't really have the essence of like computers and gridding and auto tune. But, you know, songs like this or albums like this, to me, I guess I can connect to them more than when I listen to, you know, the auto tune pop you get today because I don't know what it is. Maybe the way my brain maps out those songs, I can just already pick the tempo up and then the keys there. And then you hear the auto tuning, you hear the sampling of the drums, you hear, well, that's a copy and paste job. I know what this lyric's going to be, I know what this melody's going to be. And that just deflates everything.
3: Whereas this to me is. For me, I can even see the plugins on my head, what they're doing. Yeah, eg- yeah.
0: exactly, exactly. I'll pose this to Merit then. So something like Captain Beefheart with this Trout Mass replica versus Don't Worry Kyoko, where you had a very visceral and negative response to that. But I would argue that Don't Worry Kyoko at least has structure, at least has maybe um, the musical templates of what you would think a song would have. It has some sort of semblance, and it's performed live, regardless or not. But what's your take, Merit? What, what, how would you compare those two songs? How would you compare these two things?
1: I think... Either way, you're going to have a very, very organic experience. It's uh, especially with don't don't worry, Kyoko. Um I I I. It's a strange one again. I mean, it's for me, it's not a peer pressure thing because I I don't I don't care what people think. It's obviously a well-known fact with Yoko that it's like. Here she goes again, then off she goes. You know, like the mad cat lady around the corner, like walking the cats and like licking them or something. So, oh, off she goes again then. Oh, Yoko, here we go. Um, but I really wanted to have, a, have, a, have my own perspective. Yoko, the cat
0: licking level lady. Yeah.
1: I really wanted to have my perspective on that. My own. I wanted to have my own opinion and feel it from there. Um, and I very much learned that context is everything. This cult slash band slash whatever you want to call it it sounds uh, i mean was it was it anything like you've ever heard before either of you like is there anything you could compare it to Well, yeah,
3: there is actually. Um, Like, it always reminds me of when you first get together with a few mates in a band and your mates may have never played the drums before and you just kind of go for an hour and uh, you're kind of like, you know, and you don't do it again. But there's another thing where... um, You know, as musicians, we have this humor that's quite unique. Like, we think uh, bad performances are funny. We're like, we point out a mistake. We're like, ho, ho, ho. Actually, there's videos on YouTube, the worst performances of all time. And that's what is so hard to grasp about this album. Like, if you actually go back and listen, you have all of the (laughs) um, complex melodies and left and right channel. It's, It's actually quite incredible that they were able to stay together. Like, I mean... Do you know when you're trying to find a pulse with a band? Like, I just don't know how, you know, and when you lose it, you kind of, you all stop, don't you? I mean, I just can't believe they kept it going. Like, how did they, you know, find a pulse somehow (laughs) to keep going? Like, it's just all over the place. There's no, like, you can kind of hear sometimes the uh, drummer is trying to recreate what the bass and the other guitar is doing in the left channel. Mm. But like, apart from that, it's um, it's like it's the drums are like trying to grab onto any rhythm you can. It, it's quite fascinating in that way. <laughs> if you go back and listen to Frown, that in particular, like it's just insane. <sighs> nothing I've never yeah to answer your question before. Nothing I've ever heard sounds like this. I mean, it's insane, and I suppose that's the fascination a lot of people have with it you know
0: as much as it's maybe on the same vein that it's hard to memorize or hard to to memory recall it when you're away from it yeah i still want to come back to it
3: (laughs) because it's just it's just curiosity isn't it like just um you know how does it work why does it work and well it doesn't work but how do how does it work to some people and you can see it didn't work for them really like it was just too far out and uh in 71 he he released his most um accessible album
0: really the spotlight kid i view it almost like this this trout mask replica to like the shags philosophy of the world how that influenced everybody else and that's almost that's way more listenable. that sounds like a pop record a sheeny pop record compared to trout mask um but again where's the line is philosophy of the world Uh, more is closer to like organized music in a pop song structure or do you go all the way back i just think i think it's fascinating and yes it's not the first thing you'd show someone about music it wouldn't be the first thing you'd even show in my mind who captain beefheart is but like you almost said it's like you need to have these albums here to put everything else into context and then maybe come back to it mez thoughts yeah
1: I, again, context, our mission statement, context all the time. Um, however, what, have it.
0: What would you rate it out of ten? Oh,
1: Mars going to have to because I,
0: I, I feel like I would need to listen to it more. And invest.
1: Yeah, I, I would have to have more time with it. I think. I'm
0: going to, I'm going to say, yeah, I think that's my first full listen of it, um, and I only listened to it once. So again, I would say maybe my first listen. It's going to be four and a half to five because i haven't clicked with it i haven't got it it does mainly just sound like noise and i agree everything with your points of you know even production wise it's like there's it doesn't even there's no sniff of production but i want it i still want to listen to it i want to go back to it
3: wow that's kind of high like i mean really (laughs) i think i'd give it like a two i like did you know this uh information before you listened i mean has it impacted your score on it
0: i knew i think i knew just from doing research on this podcast and just from generally liking lists and stuff i knew i think i knew about the background of like the um you know the torture and i didn't know anything about the drum thing i didn't know about them like, renting a french villa or, or, or the not french villa them renting that place um but i just i knew about how it was composed like the piano stuff and the splicing stuff but that now that now makes it more even more interesting to me that that's what happened it's almost like the recordings you are listening to are really the, the 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 main event is actually what happened during recording it's like this is that was the experiment this is the results from it and that's pretty fascinating
3: yeah you wonder like did the rest of the band know the actual result, how it was going to sound.
0: Listeners, if you've listened to these albums, um, tell us what you think. Please DM us. Please comment. Please just give it all your thoughts. And if you think that Trap Mass Replica is like the best album in the world, then please tell us your opinion. Make your defense for it. Make your defense for it. Mez. Yo. You got the finale. Get stuck Grand in lad. finale. Let's go.
1: Grand finale. So this week, I went high, bro. I'm not often known for my uh, knowledge of highbrow. This is an album I have never touched. I was familiar with the cover for years and years and years. Not familiar with a single note of music off it. The kind of, um, I don't know, the people who were kind of into more complex pieces of music at uni, at college, were into this album. So I thought, I've I've never really made much effort but I have heard snippets and I am aware of relative a relative member of this band. So I'm not going to tease you any more listeners. I'm going to tell you what it is. This week I listened to In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. Stellar album. And Woo. it was released on the 10th of October in 1969. As I'm sure most people know, it's progressive rock. Um and when it was released it hit number 5 on the UK charts and number 28 on the U.S. Billboard. So, when I first looked at the track listing, I saw the longest track was 12 minutes long. Now, to me, in 1969, that seems incredibly lengthy. Um, So, right off the bat, I was like, this album's going to drag, and it always tends to be a running theme. What did you listen to? It's either Rush, who got people into prog, or king Crimson there's two sort of things, and guitarist Robert Fripp is already like highly highly respected within the musician and guitar community for for the like techniques the man practically invented um he, he He's an incredible musician, absolutely fantastic there's, i I would never argue that in fact, yeah, so my first impressions, as i've already said, it seems quite long. However, despite the fact I'm going to openly say I couldn't get into it, despite that, it does contain some incredibly well-written pieces of music that are weaved within songs that have movement and depth. Um, But I would absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, cut the length of most, if not every single song on here. Um, I, I can see what they're doing. And it's very, very clever. In fact, I'm so glad you brought up Beefheart, especially that album, because I feel like this feeds back into it. Um, it it's clever. It's very, very, you know, it, it, it invents a lot of things. But for for whose benefit is, is basically what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah, the length, it, it's, it's a big downfall for me. Not only would I change the length, but I would rethink a lot of the instrumental sections. A lot of them. Wow. There is a song on here. There's a song on here called Moonchild, um, which perked my interest. Perked? Peaked? That's the word I'm after. Um, it's the fourth track. Yeah, it's called Moonchild. And the one I listen to is titled Including the Dream and the Illusion, which tells me those are separate pieces of music that have been put into that song. Uh, it's also a namesake of my one of my favourite ever Iron Maiden songs. Go and listen to Moonchild. It's great. Um, and anyway, that is the one that's 12 minutes, 12 seconds long. Uh, the first two minutes, 20 are great. I think it's a really, really well written two minutes, 20. From two minutes, 20 until 12 minutes, 12 seconds, it's just to my ears, it seems to be a lot of random note choices inters- interspersed percussion. So, like when I literally say like um, random note choices, I I, it, I suppose you could argue it was written. It, it probably definitely was. Um, but then I'm I, for some reason in my notes I I'm kind of like is this is is this something that I would have listened to in 1969 and gone? Goodness gracious! this is absolutely mind blowing whereas now i'm kind of like, well i've heard all the bands that have gone we'll take that, and we'll do something else with that. If you saw what I mean, obviously um yeah, yeah.
3: it's just so funny because. It's, it's mad going from the last album to this album because it just seems like you're nitpicking this great piece of work. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's no... Like, I mean, I've chosen... Uh, you've, you've both chosen absolutely stellar, uh, monumental kind of genre-defining albums, and mine is virtually unlistenable.
1: <laughs> I was going to... Yeah, I was going to mention, I feel like I had an easy ride this week in comparison to you, mate.
0: Yeah. But no, this is the whole point. This is the whole point. In 12 minutes, 12 seconds of one song, you can probably listen to about 15 tracks off of Trout Mask. You know what I mean? It would feel and a lot Jesus longer, though. Christ, again, yeah. like, I, 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 again, this, if you don't know Captain Beefheart and you start with this for progressive rock going into avant garde, yeah, I can understand why 21st century schizoid man can. I remember the first time I heard it on Escape Vin and I was like, this is madness. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, it just sounds like normal rock to me. I yeah. can remember the riffs. You know, it's been sampled in Power by Kanye y- West. Yeah. And...
1: I was going to get to that. Obviously, we all know 21st century schizoid, man. Um, sampled by our, our dear love, Kanye, on Power. One of the most... Go de- have a
0: coffee with uh, Mez?
1: Yeah, you've got to come and have a coffee and explain that connection, son, because I cannot think of a more dejected connection than Kanye West and King Crimson. Did you not like I Talked to the Wind? Did I not like it? No, I, I did like it.
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, quite relaxing. It, it's such a departure from the last song, which is so fast. I almost prefer
0: it. Uh... Yeah.
3: Oh, man, Skizoid Man is such a tune, I think. It's absolutely incredible. Like, the big band... Um, it is, yeah, great tune. Big band part at the end. It's just... Masterful, in my opinion. I'm just so glad that um, it's finally on Spotify because it wasn't for so long. Um, But for me, there's three absolutely stellar tracks in this, which is Schizoid Man, Epitaph, and Court of the Crimson King title track. Um, I suppose... Uh the second track is a bit of a dragger for me. Uh, I talk to the wind. Yeah, I like the woodwind, the I, use of woodwind. I
1: put it in the like um like a
3: I'd say it's a bit medieval. Yeah,
1: it's like a um sorry to cut you up there. I, I just had to get this thought out of my head. It's like a it's like a winter scene in a Disney film and everything's calm, everything's collected. It's very, very um it, it's very... Be- I'm trying to, sorry. It's very like, so at the end of Schizoid Man, you've got the like frantic, um, uh, it's, it's not.
3: Takes you into the next act, I feel.
1: Yeah. You've got that very frantic thing and then it's very, very calm. There's a real nice tension and release with that. Um, as I, as I will reiterate, I do not dislike this album. Good. Um, sorry, machine carry on with what you were saying, my man.
3: Um, yeah, okay, well, I'll just finish up on I Talk to the Wind. I mean, it's um, a stunningly beautiful track now that, you know, we're talking a bit more about it. Like, but it's it's mad now that I know that it's the shortest track of, what, like just over six minutes. <laughs> like, it feels so much longer than that. Um, like, it's amazing how early this is, and it's like genre-defining uh, prog. Oh, I know? know what you're
0: saying. I, I like it. I like the world that it is. I like the world that it kind of uh, makes, and I can just sit there forever. When
1: Hendrix is saying this is the best group in the world, I'm missing something here. Why can't I? Why can't I go? Oh, I'm going to go and listen to In the Court of Crimson King. Hendrix opened. He he went to see them live before they recorded this album, and he he is quoted to have said, "This is the best group in the world," which apparently Robert Fripp regularly. Regurgitates for people, but to be honest with you, if Hendrix said that about my band, I would get a tattoo of it on my forehead. Um...
0: (laughs) Uh, If anybody wants to, uh, we're going to create a new Patreon (laughs) tier of um, Mez's Tattoo Fund. And if you want to pay, should we say £28 a month? reckon that's good? At least. Yeah, okay, £28 a month, and you get to help in part design the tattoo that goes on Merit's Five Ed.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks for that.
0: Carry on, La. That makes that gives the hat more context. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he knows it's all right. No, I
1: don't. I cry after every podcast. But anyway, loser. So my, a lot. I looked at a bit of the backstory. A lot of this, a lot of the music on this album is designed to scare the listener. Um, which which you can hear that coming across, especially in nineteen sixty nine. Um, I mean, you do have the first Sabbath album the same year. So uh, I think Sabbath might scare you a bit more, but in a different way. I hear this album. <laughs> You're both going to laugh at this so hard. I hear this album as, um, to my mind, it's definitely more of a piece of art than a consumable piece of music. Oh, but that's no. not to say it can't be appreciated as both. Go on, laugh at our
2: please. Oh, go on, here God.
1: we go. You can't believe it. I can see the stare <laughs> You can't believe it. Maybe I'm just too used to to pop music. All
3: right. I'm just... I'm really surprised. Um, you mustn't have heard a whole, a whole lot of Trout <laughs> Mask. There's no way. I uh, haven't, though.
1: No. I'll be honest. That's oh, why I say I need no. more time with
3: it. Uh, okay, well, I'm quite surprised because I thought this would be quite up your alley. I mean, are you into um, progressive metal and um, dream theatre and tool and the like? I mean, this predates all of that. This is that... Their granddaddy. Um, like, uh, you know, you talk about the kind of progressive structure and how you can't get with it, but I thought you would have been more... You, uh, I thought you would have been used to that kind of thing.
1: Oh, I'm, 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 I'm not arguing with you. I just struggle to yeah, get fun. with it, if you like.
3: Uh, there's no arguments here, but... Uh, <laughs> what did you think of Epitaph?
1: Epitaph?
3: Yeah, the third track. Take i agree yeah.
1: i can't remember it oh to put it bluntly well wow. i if i if i heard it if i heard it now i'd probably go oh yeah that one it's this is it's kind of almost the same deal as the miles davis album for you mar if i remember bits but nothing 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 is compelling me to go i want to sit down for 12 minutes and listen to that you know what i mean
0: but yeah maybe back to kind of your points Mez, the two things i get is that like with all of our album picks, it might just be that you need to we need to listen to them more for them to click and they go from the most severe, kind of harsher listens like uh Trout Mask, maybe up to more accessible, easier listens. Maybe kinda of blue, I would say kind of blue and in the Court of the Crimson King are both big giants in their respective genres, both uh were the cornerstones of that style and you know everyone started copying it or everyone started kind of viewing it from there so maybe it's just a a listen you know you just gotta keep on listening to it but maybe maybe it's mad yeah. that these three albums these three albums you know these three albums share that common theme of they maybe challenge your they challenge your preconceptions of what you think music should be to varying degrees and also that maybe the the if you're less experienced or not less experience. If your scope of music listening tastes is quite thin and narrow and and even just to a few bands or even a few genres, I can see how all three of these albums could have the same effect on someone. They could go unlistenable. Don't get it completely. Us three here, us musicians that have gone to university Aww. and maybe our tastes have just broadened a bit and we've exposed stuff. Then things like, for me, Court of the Kingsman Kim, it just sticks it i get it it sounds like normal music to me trout mask it doesn't sound like normal music to me but i can understand it i can understand what they were going for and why it doesn't make sense kind of blue i can understand why it makes sense i just for some reason have either put too much onto it as an external factor and that goes around and around like our opinions of these albums would completely change but to you know to eight, nine-year-old O'Sheen playing the banjo, the Star Wars, you chuck any of these albums at him, I guarantee you'd be like, I, I don't get it.
3: Yeah. I don't get it. That's a great point. You don't, know? Don't, would you
0: Would you agree? Don't O'Sheen? judge him
1: so closely. Absolutely.
3: I, I mean, have. yeah, none of these albums are uh, albums that you would gravitate towards when you're first getting into music by any stretch. Uh, even, yeah.
0: though, even though it's very accessible, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, even yeah. I remember hearing Pink Floyd... Uh, dark side of the moon um ah uh, what was i like 12 or something and i just wasn't ready for it you know <laughs> you learn to appreciate like all sorts of music when you get older especially if you do a degree like yeah, us so, so
0: imagine so imagine take that same model then imagine 20 years from now everything you're gonna achieve in music um and you go back to trout mask wow like even 10 years i, I know i've done it with albums i can't list them off my head but then you go back and you go I get it. It makes so much sense. You know, um, I feel like every, each one of these albums does that. And that's maybe why they're being brought up as classics. You know, maybe it's just the fact of you got to wait for a certain time in your, your life to get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like I would, that happened to me with dark side, but uh, I mean, would I don't think I'll ever listen to trout mask again with you. I,
0: I think I would. I think I would. I'm de I'm definitely going to listen to it this week. I've got, um, you? I've got Friday off. And I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it more, and I think I need to, I'm gonna listen to Miles Davis stuff as well, and well not Miles, uh, more jazz stuff, and just Whoa. I'm I'm just gonna submerge myself in it. I think merit what are your what are your what your kind of cause again, you don't you're like with me with the kind of blue, you don't hate it, you don't dislike the music, you just don't maybe get the hype surrounding it. Um, so like, what's your kind of takeaway with this album? Where are you gonna like leave it in your musical kind of world?
1: What with uh, Court of the Crimson King? Yeah. I want to spend some time with it because I really feel like I could get on with it. The only times I really didn't get on with it were the bits where it was like it'll it'll play the main chunk of what I would call the main chunk of the song, and then you get like a bit of silence and then they'd be like Da <laughs>
3: like that's so surprising to me um, <laughs> i thought this would be right up your alley like i mean you're into prog metal and um you know the likes of two will have like real jammy moments uh where they play with you know different time signatures and just kind of uh, repeat the same patterns over and over again in a different way and yeah um like i think that predates all of that. I mean, uh, go back and listen to the, like epic. The epic sound of the mellotron and underlying all the instruments and the like. This album's so much more um, accessible than most Prague. I mean, the songs are actually catchy. Like I can remember them so well.
1: Two tunes for the playlist: mm-hmm. Schizoid Man, just because it's well known, and I feel like probably potentially the easiest one to get into. And I'll say Moonchild because it's the longest one. It's kind of hard to stick with at points, but I it's still worth a listen. And over this week, I am going to listen to Trout Mask and this one again, and I'm going to try and just sort of not. I I I can't force. I'm giving you Coltrane. Coltrane as well. Caw, you're filling up my schedule.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'll 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 take in the Coltrane. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get kind of blue, maybe a couple of times. And I'm going to get some Blue Note stuff.
3: Yeah, good. That's um, my
0: task. We've all got our picks. We've all got our picks. And that'll be a great time to kind of uh, end, isn't it? End. So that's been very, very enjoyable. I've got a lot of nourishment from that. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much to you, Asheen. Thank you. You've legend. Been great. You've taught us quite, like, so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks legend. for having me.
3: Thanks for having awesome
0: me. Legend. Definitely. We want to have you back.
3: Great. I'd love to. Um like, even if I didn't know you guys, I'd be listening to this, like, it's right up my
0: alley. Just... Awesome. That really does mean a lot. Yeah, Thanks that's great, man. Um, Thank you. So... No problem, gents. Keep it up. And Merit knows, too. So, <laughs> we'll let you take it away with the outro. So, tell us what song we're going to have, and plug your stuff, and whatnot, and go great. for it, bud.
3: Thanks, man. Uh, this is I Just Want to Kiss You by the Years, and we released this on our um, EP from 2018. It's on Spotify, uh to listen right now. We're, we're currently working on stuff. We might release a second D P um we've been talking about it for ages. Uh we haven't done that in a long time. We just can't wait to get some new music out um later this year, hopefully. And uh, we're on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook. Uh I I'm also doing my uh Instagram videos, Ushino Grady music, uh and I'm doing my guitar lessons, um and I'm starting my new website soon so there you go
0: nice we'll put your links below and stuff and um yeah have at it la you know what I'm saying Bjorn? <laughs> I know see I'm fluent already in Irish I know everything
1: <laughs> right me muckers right me
0: how's it going
1: right point slider I'm James <laughs> Merritt, the Bears <laughs> Bristol Bears
0: see you later then